Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. I'm Keith Conrad. And I'm Misty Callahan. On Geek Counter Geek, we'll tackle the tough questions that keep you up at night. Like, who is the better captain? Kirk? Picard or Crunch. Plus, you'll get to chart our progress as I try to write the great American novel. And I try to create a comic book. It's Geek Counter Geek on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, this is Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Well, it had to happen sooner or later. We broke Steven. We broke him with Marvel Legends last year, and now we broke him with Star Trek. He watched all of Picard, and now he is watching all of Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a recommendation no one has given him because the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation is a rough go of it. But he's doing it, so we need to talk about it. So let's talk to him now. Yeah, I mean, this week's been fine. It's every, it's like the only thing I'm struggling with is trying to remember what day it is. You know, it's like you don't leave your apartment for days on end and like, yeah. You know, you're kind of always working, you know, it's like you're always sending like work emails and stuff. So it's just kind of like, um, yeah, yeah we had a, we had an all company meeting yesterday and they were like, oh, well, it, it seems the number one issue we still have working at home is the balance of work life balance. I'm like, yeah, it's my 55 hour timesheets might help you to figure it out. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's like they're still not limiting your guys's hours. No, and you know, it's Saturday and part of me's like I could just go back to bed. Right. But apparently I'm at the point now where if I really need to sleep, I'll take Ambien and now uh Renee is telling me about the conversations we've had in the next morning. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. So far they've all been benign, but the last night she was like, "Were you all right? Did you go throw up?" I'm like, "No." She's like, well, you just got up and you said, I just got to do something. And then you were gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The first time I took it, I was in Philadelphia on work and I was in a hotel room and I'm like, I can't sleep well in new rooms. Yeah. So I took an Ambien and then I went and turned every lock on my hotel room door <laughs> and Ooh. put a chair in front of there because there are reports. I'm like, well, let's see where I wake up. Yeah, <laughs> I woke uh, up in the same bed in, bed in the morning. I was like, score. Ambience for it's a sleep assist. It's a sleep assist. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I've never uh, taken it. I think my mom was taking it and she would call us like on the phone right after she took it. But before she went to bed, so like 930 or 10 o'clock or something, we'd have an entire conversation. And then the next day she'd have no recollection of a conversation. So we had institute a rule. She can only take it immediately before she goes to bed. And she's not allowed to make any phone calls before that. Yeah, well, I try to, uh, when I take it, I turn the iPad on and then I just watch YouTube because I don't have to commit. Like I'm not oh, going to put on Netflix and get into the middle of an episode. So I'm just like watching YouTube videos and I know to turn it off when the iPad has hit me in the nose. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a good – that's usually a good <laughs> – <to laughs> <keep. laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I love that moment. You know, you ever have that moment where you're falling asleep watching something and it just mixes into whatever dream you're having? 
Yes. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where I am now. Am I awake? Am I asleep? Yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of live for that moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, interesting. It just certainly makes for um, more uh, lucid dreaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are now in week five. There have been two major news events. We were talking about this during the week. I feel like um, we're basi- we basically become a news show over the years uh, yeah. on Geek News. But all the news now is things that are not happening. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, the thing is, this is canceled. And this week, San Diego Comic-Con is canceled for the first time in 50 years. The first time ever, I guess. They're yeah. saying that I believe this. I believe this is the 50th anniversary of San Diego. Which is weird. Well, it's the oldest convention as well as the biggest. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think it's just weird that it's like on its 50th anniversary, we're just not gonna have one, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think it's like uh, seeing that kind of play out across culture in terms of like this like gap year everyone's gonna have it, where 2020 is just like we're just not gonna have much to report on <laughs> in terms right. of like what did people do, what happened, who won the Super Bowl. It's like none of those things are are gonna happen this year, you know. Yeah. No, um, weird. Yeah, it is exactly the 50th anniversary. The first San Diego Comic Convention uh, was called the Golden State Comic Con, drew 300 people, was held in the U.S. Grant Hotel from August 1st to the 3rd in 1970. Mm. So this would have been the 50th San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. And now, just like everything else in comics, it's just not happening. Um, DC is talking about trying to figure out alternate distribution methods for yeah, uh, that. circumvent what? Diamond. A lot of artists are now reporting that they've, they've been furloughed. Yeah, I read like, an article yeah, I'm working from Marvel that had said uh, that they initially when this kind of happened, they told a lot of artists on different projects that were probably, you know, three, four, five months out to cease working. And I guess they just did another round of it where they told a bunch of other people like, hey, cease like working because it's like, this isn't, you know, letting up essentially. Right. And it seems like they focused on launches and specials. So I think they're like, hey, we were going to, so probably that big empire crossover. Right. Um, I think they're like, hey, we'll just do that later. Uh, and I think like, like Batman Catwoman is probably, still not coming out for a while but things like the next issue of hickman's x-men that they're probably gonna they're probably gonna keep their normal monthlies on schedule as long as they can that was actually one of the books i had read about where they were saying that they're so far ahead on x-men right now that they've actually suspended work because they're so far ahead so i do kind of wonder if this is going to be the place will be where you know i think like um clay man i think was going to draw that batman catwoman book and yeah. he's like a brilliant artist, but he's slow. So it's like, do they give that guy now he's got all this extra time? Hey, wrap this book up. We'll pay you to finish it. And then this will be ready to go without missing a deadline, you know, when it comes time to, you know, reship comic books. Right. Because Tom King's run on Batman ended last fall, and everyone assumed the next month was going to be Batman Catwoman because that book is supposed to be the continuation of his run and end right. his run. Um, you know, and we can play eleventh uh, hour quarterback as much as we want to, but uh, it didn't seem like a great idea because then immediately they were like, uh, "Here's the Joker again." And then that. Yeah. Book- Did you read the? Uh, are you reading Batman after Tom King left? 
I read the first three. I was in Challengers. Um, I had missed an issue of Amazing Spider-Man uh, for my p- subscription, which I've talked about. So I went to Challengers to pick it up. And while I was there, I was like, I'm three behind on Batman. I've already made a trip up here. I'll get. I'll pick him up. And it was just like, it was the typical kind of Batman that I don't even like. It's like, yeah. oh, the Joker's loose in Gotham City, and and then apparently they launched a new character that was like, it was already that issue was already worth a lot of money, and that was the one I didn't get. It was like the next one, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really into the story. Right. So, uh, I'm behind. I mean, I'm behind on everything now. I um, not reading much digitally. I read a lot on my commute. Um, the last stuff I really read was on the cruise. I was reading a lot of Star Trek books and I caught up on Hickman's X-Men. There was comicsology sale. So I read like the last couple of issues, mm-hmm. but, um, I haven't read anything in a while. Like I'm not even reading on my iPad these days. Yeah. Well, I think I, cause I looked at like the last week or two weeks of comics that were, were coming out and like. Like Spider-Man came out, the next issue of Black Panther, you know, books I was like reading and enjoying and like Dr. Doom. And I just I haven't read any of them. (laughs) Like I've got the files on my computer and I just it's like because it's like they're the stories aren't going to go anywhere now in terms of like new content coming out. It's like it kind of sucked the air out of wanting to like read them and see what happens next. Um, But then I've been reading like older comics, like, you know, uh, continuing with like the omnibuses I was reading and a couple of the other older trades I've got that was like, oh, this is a good story. And it's like, so rereading some stuff and then reading older stuff that I've never read. Um, and then uh, <laughs> punishing myself with, well, continuing to watch The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, that's something I really want to get into. Yeah. Uh, is uh, I've been doing that too. I'm in now season four of Deep Space Nine and I'm finding, I'm working a lot of hours at home. And what I used to do was listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and we had a thing last week was Easter. So my whole block just kind of like met in the street and stayed six feet apart and said, hello. So I was talking to Joe Pakovitz, um, about, uh, what we've been catching up on. And I, I'm like not watching anything new. I'm just, I'm used to listen to lots of podcasts and he was telling me about all the podcasts he's discovered. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm like, yeah, I've listened to the uh, Stay F. Homekins podcast, which is Paul F. Tompkins and his wife just under quarantine. Okay. Uh, talking to each other. And she's really funny too. But I, but mostly like I've been listening to less podcasts because I listen to podcasts with my headphones on in the office if I need to work and uh, not talk to anybody. And that's been replaced by binge watching Deep Space Nine. Right. And, older shows so my podcasts are gone my new shows i'm not watching a lot of them we're watching better call soul every week that's about it um and what we do in the shadows came back so we watched those but yet my thirst for new content is very easily slaked by old content i still like so i've been in this i've been in a star trek space too and you started watching picard with the free cbs and um we had Elliot on the show to talk about it. We did not invite you to that show because we talked about the final episode. But yeah. now you asked me for a list of epi- episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, which I have been trying to get you in for eight or nine years. And I know other people have been trying to do longer than that with you. That's true, yes. And when you owned the store and the TV was on, 
all of the hours of the story, you never watched it. But after Picard, you were like, oh, let me see what to watch. And then it was like, well, I wouldn't recommend watching all 181 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, First of all, it's a huge commitment. Second of all, the first two seasons are really, really bad. So I made you a list, and I posted that list on our Facebook page, and I've actually sent it to other people who are like, hey, I just finished Picard. What should I be watching from Next Gen? And it included um, things about the Borg and things about Data and uh, uh, an episode with Bruce Maddox and a lot of things that tied in. But then you told me this week, no, I just started from the beginning. Yeah. Well, so originally I was just going to do the episodes you recommended, and then I was going to combine that list, which is very similar to the list my buddy Ken gave me, which uh, he's a massive uh, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation fan, too. And like you, has always kind of been like, yeah, those first two seasons, they're not great. But he recommended the pilot, so I was going to watch like the pilot and then chronologically go through the episodes that you and him a com- compiled list from you and him like chronologically and go through them and then i finished the pilot and it wasn't bad it's like uh i was kind of surprised that q shows up so early yeah he's um, in the first episode he was actually a late addition um they wrote the pilot as a one-hour pilot and then paramount was like no this is a very big deal make it a two-hour pilot okay. so they wrote so then gene rodberry went back and wrote the q plot and put it on top of it just to make it longer which is which is crazy because Q becomes one of the most important characters, certainly for Next Generation, but shows up in Deep Space Nine and Voyager as well. Right. That, there, there was talk about a Q movie for a long time. Yeah, I was familiar with the idea of the character, and uh, I can't remember the name of the actor that plays him, but it's like John. He does, De- yeah, John Delancey. Yeah, and he does an awesome job. Yeah. Uh, Who, by the way, play, is in a few episodes of Breaking Bad, and he's phenomenal in that. Oh, who is he in Breaking Bad? He's Jane's dad. Oh, wow. And he meets yeah. Walter in a bar, and he's the guy, spoilers for Breaking Bad, he's the guy who's the air traffic controller. Right, that's um, right. Because when he shows up, I'm like, oh, there's Q. And he was like, he was phenomenal in that. Yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, but he he basically, he's basically like the Joker and the Silver Surfer put together. Yeah, it was weird because it's. I was familiar with the character. I don't know how. I must have seen an episode of Star Trek or knew that he was like a cosmic powered like characters, like wildly powerful. Um, and then, but I was surprised that he shows up in the first episode because it seemed more like that's an idea you come up with and you're kind of running out of ideas. It's like <laughs> God, essentially. So well, again, I was kind of surprised well, that- it was in the first episode. That was also a Gene Roddenberry thing. Whenever he was stuck for an idea, he's like, let's have him meet God. Yeah. There's about four episodes of the original series where Kirk and Spock meet God. There's two of the original movies where Kirk and Spock meet God. And then there's uh, – apparently there were many, many, many pitches that were not accepted by Paramount about the Enterprise meeting God. Wow. So, so I think yeah, the when D-line. they – yeah, so when they told him the whole Farpoint storyline wasn't long enough, he was like, oh, and they meet God. Yeah, which works. There um, are there are books that ties all the God characters together. As like one character? They're like, oh, no, they're, they're like, oh, it's a God race, and they all know each other. So this guy that Gene put in the original series is related to Q and related to this other guy. Is it related to the God above the planet of all the naked white people that run around in the orgies? Uh, yeah, that was the one you were right about to watch that episode. I was like, oh, yeah, 
Secret Justice. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> there's a lot of weirdness. Like, there's clearly a feeling in that first season of, like, uh, and there's a great book called uh, There's 50 Years of Star Trek. I believe it has a maybe it's to boldly go. I believe it has like a, a umbrella title, but if you look for 50 years of star Trek as this, but this is also, uh, they talk about, it's clearly a state where Gene's getting senile. So he starts getting hornier. Yeah. I was as kind of surprised senile. with the amount of like, uh, like they do, they, um, they go to the naked planet essentially where it's like a bunch of white people jogging around everywhere. <laughs> they just jog and they don't step on flowers. Right. And then, but then like two or three episodes before, oh, and I got to say, uh, I wouldn't recommend watching the next generation from start to finish in the middle of a I, pandemic when the first like three episodes are about like an outbreak on the ship. Yeah. That, uh, I, I tweeted that a couple weeks ago. Every Star Trek episode has like alien viruses, which infect the ship episodes. I mean, there were, I was like four episodes in and twice there was an outbreak on the ship and it's just kind of <laughs> like, and every time they're just like, what could it be? You know, it's like, come on, you guys are scientists. <laughs> but uh, it's the unknown. Yeah. Well, what is like, the second or third episode, they did the it's like a drunk virus that I guess came from like the 60s show. Well, that's, and that was one of the most disappointing things. Now, I remember watching this when it aired. I was in high school when it aired and I was a big Star Trek fan. And uh, I watched the first one. I was like, mm, that wasn't that good. And then I watched the second one and they just literally cop to it. They, there's a scene where they go to the records and they go, oh, yeah, this is an episode from the original series. Yes. <laughs> And the episode in the original series is actually really good. That's the episode where, like, Sulu starts chasing everybody with a sword. Oh, that's cool. And Spock starts crying. It's, like, it's a really it's a really good original episode. It is not a good Next Generation episode. Yeah, like, it wasn't great. No, like, Tasha Yar fucks Data. That's yeah, what I was going to say is, like, there's just so much. And this is, like, in the 80s, right? This is in, like, the late yeah. 80s. This comes out, and I'm like, the rampant, like, sexual undertones of the show are ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, – this is a period when the sexual revolution was – being ended by AIDS, but we weren't completely there yet. Yeah. Like, this was when Nightmare on Elm Street still had, like, gratuitous topless scenes all over the place. And they were still making, like, Porky sequels. Right. But well, it's like, you see it in, like, the outfits even. is like, in the first episode, I can't remember the character's name. She's, like, a telepath or something. Oh, Deanna Troy, yeah. And she's got, like, a regular uniform on and then like every episode afterward it's like this deep v-neck it's like yeah. what are you doing <laughs> she wear she will wear that until i think season six yeah it's crazy they like they'll finally put her in like a regular blue uniform and she said <laughs> just in the military yeah <laughs> what is this um i was just looking at a, a reading an interview with maria sirtis who's hilarious by the way we went to uh Joe Pakovitz and I went to a panel with Marina Sirtis and Michael Dorn, and she just seemed like a drunk lady at brunch. Okay. <laughs> but she was just like, and she's got a thick, like, South London accent. Naturally, she's like, she's just like, listen, honey, <laughs> when I had to wear these tight spacesuits, they just made you look stupid. <laughs> and then, um, but she said once they put her in a uniform, all of her dialogue got smarter. <laughs> Oh, wow. She's like, in Hollywood, you can't have a brain and cleavage. Right. (laughs) They don't go together. Oh, which, by the way, I posted this on the Facebook page, but I just found an uh, an Irish interview with Colomini, 
who uh who's the Irish guy plays the transporter chief and he goes on to deep space nine and he's a major character in deep space nine, but he was also like in the commitments and the snapper and the van and layer cake and all these like really Irish movies. And it's the most Irish interview I've ever heard in my life. It made me homesick. It was so Irish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cause there's one question he goes, he goes, when you were on star Trek, did you ever feel stupid? You know, you you know, you're standing around in pajamas and talking about warp speed and 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 flying around. Did you ever feel stupid? And Colomini just looks at him. He goes, "Did you ever feel stupid wearing that hat?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was immediately like, "Share." <laughs> yeah, that's that's a treasure. Yeah, it's yeah. Now, so uh, the telepath girl, she's the lady who's married to Riker and Picard. Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, see, you've kind of you were watching the beginning and the end, so I guess spoilers don't really matter. And to be fair, right. Star Trek Next Generation is kind of like uh, X Files, where there is continuity, but they only care about it t- two or three times a season. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that the episodes are pretty self-contained, you know. Yeah, but they they get married in the last movie, Nemesis, which is also the movie. Where uh, Data dies and uh, Bane plays Picard's clone, and it's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's really bad, but it it's like, but now with Picard, there's a lot of major plot points which they went back and paid off from and Nemesis. From Nemesis, yeah, because Data's dead in Picard in the beginning of Picard, and uh, we see Riker and Troy, and they've been married, and it's like, okay, if I want to see those things happen, you gotta. Watch I kind of need to watch this bad episode, which is kind of what you're doing with season one. Yeah, the Ferengi show up pretty early. And oh, I, yeah. I just I just showed that to Ben. <laughs> the first episode with him? Yes. Yeah, it's bad. And they're terrible. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they're so weird. Well, the Ferengi were meant to be the main villains. Yeah, I think they kind of like, uh, they've showed up twice now, and it looks like they're kind of positioned them as supposed to be like the modern day, like, quote unquote, like Klingons. But um, they're they're weird. They're kind of annoying. <laughs> it's yeah. like they're all weaselly little guys. Yeah, well, that's a, that that boggles my mind. And I remember when that season started, they were like, "You're gonna meet new villains. You think the Klingons are scary? Where here come the Ferengi?" And yeah. they hire everyone. They hire is five foot two. Right. Um. Which you know, I'm five seven. You're about the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. Uh, demonized short people, but they're not intimidating next to Riker and Worf, who are like six. <laughs> right. And like then they're beam Worf onto the flagship of the Ferengi and hit by himself could dismantle yeah, the entire crew by sitting on a chair. <laughs> right. Yeah. But and then, and then they just run around going like, wee, wee. yeah, that's so weird. The Ferengi will not become good until Deep Space Nine, which is a, a completely separate show. Um, which again, I'm in the middle of watching, I'm towards the end of season four and I'm remembering just how good it is. So it is the kind of thing where if you get to the end of next gen and then you've watched the movies and you're still in Trek mood, uh, I would very strongly recommend D space nine, but right now I'm not saying you have to do it, but the Ferengi, the Ferengi, um, are main characters because in deep space nine, it's not, not everyone is in Starfleet. D-Space Nine is about um, a regiment of Starfleet officers who are occupying the station to help the planet because um, they've just like they've just finished a war 
with the Cardassians who will show up on Next Generation. And the Cardassians have withdrawn, but they have like – they're basically Nazis. They've taken over the planet, and the Bajoran are Jews, and they're like trying to rebuild Israel basically or Poland. And like Starfleet is there to like protect them. But only about four or five characters out of the ten major characters are Starfleet. And the rest of them are like a Quark who's a Ferengi is just a Ferengi that runs a bar. But since he's a main character, they yeah, do I all the – Yeah, had his action figure as a kid. Yeah, he's a good action figure. Uh, but since he's a main character, he gets full episodes and you get to see the Ferengi homeworld uh, like the Klingons. You get to see like what their whole culture is and what their background is. And they get really interesting and they're still funny, but they they get depth. You will not find that in the next generation. Yeah, every I time, think so. Every time they show up, they're going to be like, yeah, it's like it's, it's just a weird choice. They're like rat people. Yeah, <laughs> they're like rat people. Well, that, it's like that Marvel character Vermin. Yes. Who uh, was created by Jim DeMattis, uh, who's a good friend of the show. He's been on several times. But he, but he always creeped me out. He's a major character in Craven's Last Hunt. Yes. I have a hard time looking at him. If they make a Marvel Legends, I will buy him, and I will have a hard time looking at that. Yeah. But that's basically – he's basically a Ferengi because he just runs around the sewer going like, ah, and they yeah, always run like – And now yeah. there's many of him uh, from Sp- uh, Nick Spencer's run. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like, like dozens and dozens and hundreds uh, of them. I don't need that. No, no one does. <laughs> so how are you feeling about your decision to watch all of it? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would caution it that it's not a decision to watch all of it. It's a decision to watch as many as I can get through. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. I mean, so far, so good. I'm still interested in kind of watching it. What keeps me going is um, I really um, I really like Picard and Spock. Uh, like their characters or not Spock um, data. data. And um, so I don't want to miss like any like cool interactions between like the two characters that might come up. And then like, as they kind of reveal like where data came from and how he was built and who is he and all this stuff. Um, and then the, the fact that each episode they're formulaic. So, you know, I wouldn't, this isn't like a show I'd recommend, <laughs> but it's like, a, they, there's like the philosophical, like uh, struggle in every episode they have to kind of grapple with. Yeah, so I that's will, interesting enough to keep me going. I will say I've been jumping around Next Generation. Uh, I'm doing Deep Space Nine from beginning to end. But Next Generation, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this was a good one. I'll put this on. And I'm learning now uh, after watching Ricard, season two is not that bad. So you don't have to struggle that hard because in season three, they change the uniforms where they get the high collars and they get the two piece. And yeah. that's like um, the writing Staff completely changes over. Michael Pillar comes on. Uh, Ron Moore, who ends up creating Battlestar Galactica, comes on. Iris Stephen Bear, who creates Deep Space Nine, uh, who show runs Deep Space Nine and then creates like the 4400. Um, Brandon Braga, who's now – who did Cosmos and is now on the Orville. Like all of these really good writers start showing up, uh, and it gets really good. But I was surprised to see in season two – which I kept thinking was as bad as season one, there's a lot of really good stories in it. So it's not going to be as hard a slog. Season one, oh, I'm trying to think if I have any recommendations for season yeah. Well, I don't think in the list you provided in the one I got from Ken, there was this single episode besides the pilot. Like, I think Ken was like, well, you know, you should watch the pilot. And then... Um, yeah, that was pretty much it, I think. And then everyone yeah, was, I, like, I didn't even put later. the pu- 
I thought about it and I did not put the pilot in there. I'm like, ah, the pilot just shows you the ship and the crew. You 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 can pick that up. Right, yeah, you you've learned this already. Yeah, although uh I will say the final episode ties back directly to the pilot and is probably the greatest final episode of any series I've ever watched. Of which oh the Next um, Generation. The season finale or the The series finale. The series finale ties back to the pilot. Okay. Yeah, which is season seven, but it ties right back to the pilot. And it's like, I have yet to see a better final episode. Like, wow. running running over the big final episode. I mean, D-Space Nine has a good final episode, but it's more of, like, let it's more of let's wrap up all the plot threads rather than being, like, a singular great thing. And then, you know, you keep thinking, I keep thinking of final episodes which weren't that good, like... Cheers was okay. Seinfeld, most people hate. I'm um, Mash at the time people loved, but it was like, it was like really maudlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think who had a better final episode. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of any season I've watched where the series, the final, like the final wrap up episode, I was like, oh, they nailed it. You know what oh, I mean? Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad is the big yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking Bad is amazing. Oh, and by the way, are you caught up with Better Call Saul? Uh, no, I, I barely watched, like, the first season. It's worth going back. It's just uh, – the rest of it's on Netflix, but the new season is going to finish this week, and, man, it's been great. Because it's, it's all the same, um, like, creative team, right? On, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all the same creative team. It's a lot of the same cast because, I mean, Gus and Mike become bigger and bigger characters as it goes on. Um, but next season is the final season, so it's going to run as long as Breaking Bad. Yeah, this this season's been really, really good, and it's like the one new show I've been really into. Yeah, I haven't really gotten in anything else. I think part of the interest in Star Trek, at least, is that it's like uh, <laughs> it's a window into like a the best possible case for like the future of humanity. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? so it's kind of nice to. Well, that's exactly that. that's exactly why I'm watching it too because. Uh, I mean, I've always I, – I have what I call a lazy Susan of interests where I get into something really strongly for a while, but when I put it down, I don't put it away. It's just like, oh, I'm into Spider-Man for the next couple months, and now I'm you a little bored. Yeah, I'm a little bored of Spider-Man, and oh, now I'm into Star Wars. But it's like they're all things I've always been into. Like it's rare that I super get into a new thing, and, right. it's, and it's very rare that I completely drop a new thing. Like I haven't enjoyed Doctor Who in years, and I'm I'm still watching it when they. Yeah, make you're it. a loyalist. You really punish yourself. Oh yeah, I've seen every episode of Star Trek ever produced. Yeah, that's crazy. In fact, when like... I. Oh, go when, ahead. When I watched Picard, I was like, "Well, I paid for CBS. Let's watch all of Discovery." Right. And yeah, I did not. I did not like season one of Discovery, but I did like season two, and that's the kind of thing which validates my philosophy you gotta keep going you know yeah you i was like no well, otherwise i was like oh well these were good i like these look look there's rebecca romaine and you know what as as much as rebecca romaine was like the it girl of the 90s and she was the original mystique yeah there is something about middle-aged rebecca romaine that i find endlessly appealing i yeah. think she's more accessible yeah, <laughs> she's not as uh, she's the spotlight's not on her as much. I'm not as intimidated by Rebecca Romaine now that she's 50. Yeah, but yeah. she shows up in Discovery season two in a black wig. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is good for me. This yeah. works. 
Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward to with Star Trek? Because well, I, I will say, good. I don't see you. Yeah, I don't see you dropping it. Because if you're going along with these episodes, you're not going to drop it once it gets good. Yeah, definitely not. I think once it's it's good, I'll probably stick with it. I can probably get through the first and second season just because it's like uh, I don't see the quarantine ending anytime soon. No. So part of the well, they just at this point is that it's there's met there's like 30 episodes a season or something or 25 episodes a season yeah. and there's seven seasons so it's like i've this is plenty of material to just sit back and soak it in while 100, 181 it's crazy and as i said if you want to double that g space nine is fantastic but you but it's clearly a spinoff i mean uh deep space nine is very much like an x-men book where uh you know, like you might really love X Factor, but nobody who's reading X Factor is not reading X Men. Right. Yeah. So if you're already into X Men, if you're super into X Men, you're like, ah, I'll pick up New Mutants, I'll pick up Wolverine, I'll pick up Cable. But nobody, not even me, reads only Cable. Right. Yeah. D Space Nine is like is exactly like that, where it's like it assumes you understand the universe. Yeah, and well, that was another thing too. Is that like under and it might be because I've seen like the modern movies and I've seen some of the older movies, but it's like a lot of the groundwork for understanding Star Trek I found very accessible and easy. But then again, um, a lot of people in my orbit in the last decade and a half have been massive Star Trek fans, so I've, I'm sure I've had hundreds of conversations about it. Um, but the description of Deep Space Nine sounds good um, from what you said. So um, I, th I think that's the kind of stuff I like is this this like, you know, when it's different groups of people on the Enterprise getting beamed down, like there's the away team going, you know, it's like I like ensembles. Uh, yeah. I was rotated towards team comic books. So it's like here's a team of like scientists in space doing dope scientists in space stuff. You know, it's kind of um, uh, it's almost like a perfect show right now. Yeah. And Star Trek is famous for that. Even Picard, cause, you know. I remember when you talked about this when it premiered, I was like, oh, this is the first Star Trek episode that's about one character. The show is named after a character. It's not named right. after – it's not named after the ship, which most of them are, you know, Voyager, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine. It's right. not named after these several. But even then, as Picard went on, it became about the ensemble, you know, like Rios, Gerardi, Raffi, all became really strong characters. Yeah. And, and they're all like that. I would actually say the least of the ensembles is probably the original series because it's it's always about Kirk and Spock. Kirk and Spock and then McCoy. And then McCoy, yeah. I, I feel like season one is about Kirk and Spock and then season two and three are Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But like as as great as those characters are, there's never an episode about Sulu. You know, right. there's never – there's maybe like one or two about Scotty, but there's there's no Chekhov episode. It's more like – a subplot and right. with next with next generation it's like yeah there's plenty of just wharf episodes yeah so i think that's the kind of stuff i i've been liking so far is there's enough different characters um that can kind of play off each other that's interesting so i think i i don't know if i had to guess the, <laughs> because i don't think the pandemic's any ending anytime no. soon is that i will probably get through the majority of it while under lockdown <laughs> yeah well illinois just announced and i'm trying to i'm trying to understand if it's an official announcement or an advisement but it sounds like schools are not coming back this year 
Yeah, I, I I heard that nationwide there was a lot of talk about that. So I think a lot of people, were, they were kind of holding off on making that an announcement because they kind of want to see how it goes. I think yeah. it's the same thing as like if they told everybody a month ago, hey, you guys are going to be in lockdown until September, people would lose their minds. But if they keep extending the deadline out by 15 days, you know, it was May 1st, now it's May 15th. It's like, it's really at least till June, you know, it's like, I think they're, um, that's all we'll be doing is this like, just kind of leading us along by the nose because it's like, they can't just tell people, <laughs> summer's canceled you know people are gonna lose their minds well that's what they do when you're stuck on a plane that's the exact right. every every 45 minutes they tell you it's gonna be 45 minutes right and they, then, they, they then you're like increments yeah it's like i've been on this plane for seven hours yes <laughs> right it's exactly and, and that's that. That's happened to us all. So that's the way we're doing, except, of course, for the president who's telling us to go back to work tomorrow and 100,000 people dead is great. Yes. Well, that and asking three Democratic states to be, uh, to rebel. I don't know if you saw his yeah, tweet. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's uh. so good. There's no bottom. There's no, no, there really isn't. No, I tweeted the other day, staying alive is now a partisan issue. Yes. Well, yes. have you seen that? Is that because of all the protests? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. guys. You know what? I'm that to me is Darwinism. Uh, I just tweeted. Uh, I just responded to Tina. Posted a thing about it. And I was like, "This is what you do if you have a Trump supporter in your house and they go out and protest. Don't let them back in. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the problem will take care of itself. My concern is that, like it's not quite Darwinism because it's a it's a pandemic, right? So it's like these idiots are going to catch it and then spread it to people that don't <laughs> share their political beliefs. Yeah, and but I'm not going to get anywhere near any of them. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> I'm just going to stay here with yeah. my family and my keep them inside. All these people are going grocery shopping afterwards and, you know... We're like, all wearing masks I've, now. I've got to go there. Maybe just go to Whole Foods now, you know, just assume that's not their grocery store of choice. Well, I love... As, as much as people say the whole world has changed and nothing will ever be the same, and I do believe that... I'm always heartened by how quickly we adapt and just and just put the new norm just into our own uh, our own geeky uh, consumerism. I was on I was at Big Bad Toy Store yesterday. They now have an entire line of masks where it's like you can be Spider-Man from the nose down. <laughs> you can oh, be right. Batman from the and they're like ten bucks and they're scarves that go down to your neck. And immediately I was like. Ooh, let's get those. There's like an Iron Man one, and I'm like, I'm like, were these things designed before the pandemic? No, no way. <laughs> they were they they had zipped up hoodies, but it's like, it's like, hey, people are wearing masks. You know, you know what mask people we like? Superheroes. Start making them. There's a Venom one with a tongue. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, that kind of stuff it, it makes a lot of sense. Where it's just like, yeah. Anyone who can produce anything like this is going to do so, you know? Yeah. I saw uh, Dana Gould, who's been on the show, uh, the personal hero, just posted. He has a mask with Don Knotts' face on it, but it's Don Knotts' entire face that's on his great. mouth. That's, and that's it's awesome. got that Don Knotts like, whoo! <laughs> like, yeah, see, this is people are going to use this for personal expression, and then it's not going to feel like a chore. And right. And there's also – Lauren and I were just talking about this last week. It's also we're trying not to take the medical ones away from the places that need it 
So, yeah, let's make cool ones. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what it was, but it was um, – and maybe it might have been – um, what's that fellow's name? He's on CNN. I don't know. Um, Chris Hayes. And he was uh, running a segment where they had a reporter go to a hospital, and the reporter's covered in, like, PPE. And they start getting yelled at by a nurse who's like, where'd you get that mask? I want that mask. <laughs> you know, it's like the reporter had a better mask than, like, this yeah. poor nurse who's, like, working in it. And it's just like, uh, yeah, I think it's um, anytime anything like this is kind of going on, you're going to see like the best and worst of people. Right. So it's like on oh, the yeah. good side, you'll see the people that are um, don't want to take medical equipment away from, um, you know, people who really need it. You know, people delivering food to like old folks. I just saw the guy across my street here that dropped off groceries to the uh, on the porch of the neighbor it's like some old dude lives in that apartment it's like you are seeing like wholesome acts of kindness by people and then on the flip side it's like you're seeing assholes with machine guns <laughs> standing yeah. on the courthouse steps you know demanding to you know that freedom <laughs> will be free or whatever yeah that that i don't even get well that's the thing is that number one you're always gonna have assholes but what i'm noticing now um, amongst the most assholic of us the the ones that are like pushing of like, no, go back to normal. And it's like, oh yeah, it's all the people that were doing the best on the backs of everyone else. Yeah. You know, like um Dr. Oz, who is he he's a Romulan. Let's <laughs> just like, Yeah, he's terrible. He's awful. Like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, who these guys aren't even doctors. Like they lost their medical licenses a long time before they had shows. Um, I'm realizing they both kind of come out of Oprah and I'm like who is the parent company that owns Oprah? I don't think it's Oprah, but is there like a is there a Fox or is there like a Warner Brothers? Because they're both coming out going like, no, we got to open the economy. And Doctor Oz this year said like, oh, three percent of children dying is okay. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, it's this it, indefensible position that basically anything the president says and the president's, you know, uh, a narcissist, racist, batshit crazy person. But everything he says, they all fall in line with. So then you hear Fox News and these guys saying the craziest shit, and it's like becoming less and less defensible. Where yeah. now they're just saying like, no, a lot of you should die so we don't lose any money. Yeah, I, there was some governor, I think in Texas, who had a similar line who said something like, oh, you know, old people, they should essentially sacrifice themselves. Yes, for the economy. Uh, for the economy and it's just like and bill o'reilly said most of these people are on their way out anyway and that's crazy because which in my mind includes bill o'reilly well hopefully yeah these kinds of people you know we're gonna get rid of a bunch of folks who get rid of the worst ones but it's like the, the governor who said that and bill o'reilly and dr oz and all these other people these are wealthy super rich people that aren't gonna die from the coronavirus it's right. gonna they're, be poor People who can't afford health care, don't have health insurance that aren't going to be able to like get through this because they're listening to idiots like – I mean these people should be put in prison for saying stuff like that on television. It's crazy. Yeah, but, but right, now, right now no one will be. No. No one's more protected than the rich in, in 2020. But yeah, but we're seeing – but we're seeing a lot of fear on that – on their part of like, of like, oh, wait, wait. I'm going to lose money because you know what? There's this huge shift right now, and we've talked about this before, and if there's a good thing that comes out of it, I think there's like there's, – there's two good things that will come out of this. One is pretty dark. Um, the dark one is that the world has been overpopulated for a while, and we've been putting stress on the planet, and climate change is getting better because 
people are doing less things to the planet and which e- each week there are less people um right. as horrifying as that is that's the way to get less people but then the the other side of it is this philosophy that i felt like your generation uh, my generation's always been on the fence gen x between consumerism and uh, kind of a sharing ecosystem and the millennials because you're so indoctrinated digitally and you were born into this world of like I just look this up on Google and I just download this for free they're less materialistic yeah and I uh we need less and less space because you can keep more and more on a smaller and smaller digital device so you don't have to have I mean people like you and I do because we're, we're because we're weirdo collectors but we don't have to have rooms of libraries and all of these collections and these uh, McMansions to have all this space and show off it's like well really all I need is this digital thing in my pocket right it's uh, like all this stuff fits on a thumb drive it's hard to uh, right so we're and we're getting to this point I've noticed uh, it's been a very good thing with Amazon because Amazon is like Amazon's become like a chick-fil-a to me where it's like yeah, you have you have good stuff for a good price, but like, what's the moral price I'm paying for this? Right. And the uh, one of the best things to happen is that Amazon can't do two day shipping anymore. So everything I'm looking at is like I go on, I go on Amazon and I'm like, oh look, the cap, the Black Widow Marvel Legends are out. But oh, Amazon's going to take a month to ship this. Well, now I'll go to HasbroPulse.com. They'll take a week to ship it. I'm buying this from Hasbro Pulse. You know, I need guitar strings. Amazon's going to take me a month to send me guitar strings. But Chicago Music Exchange will send them to me in a week. So now I'm not shopping on Amazon anymore. The reason I was shopping on Amazon is because of the two-day delivery. Once that's gone, I'm supporting smaller and smaller and smaller businesses. Um, As I have said many times, um, I am now obsessed with this company, Triple Fiction Productions, who I've asked on the show and is not quite extroverted enough to come on the show. But it's this guy in Florida who's 3D printing playsets of the Enterprise. And because of our whole conversation, I don't mind paying whatever he asks because I'm like, it's one guy down in Florida with a bunch of 3D printers. You know, it's not Amazon. Right. Like, if I give this guy a hundred bucks to give me, like, uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's bar on the Enterprise. Well, in 30 years, no one else ever made that, so nobody. There's no competition, and he gets that hundred bucks. You know, and uh, what it's doing is it's terrifying, and it's hitting the big businesses hardest. And the big businesses who are the most exploitive are getting hit the hardest. You know, we had this opportunity with the internet. Jeff Bezos personally had this opportunity because he came. He was. You just started a website that sold books in the 90s. Right. Um, he wasn't this mega millionaire, mega billionaire who decided to get into online. He became a mega billionaire because of online. He could have treated his workers better. He could have uh, treated his competitors better. He could he could have done things more fairly. Didn't yeah, want to. You had said something. This was months ago or in another life <laughs> but yeah. you had said at one point is like jeff bezos could have built any kind of company he wanted and he just became the online walmart yeah yeah he he had it he could build utopia that was uh there was a great joke at the oscars that chris uh rock said was jeff bezos is so rich he went through a divorce and he's still the richest man in the world 
Yeah, she took half his wealth yes. and still the richest. It's like if that doesn't blow anybody's mind, that transfer of money from her to him was the single largest transfer of wealth in human history. It's mind-boggling how much money that guy's got. Yeah, I mean, income inequality is crazy. But if he took $5 billion, which he would never notice, he could transform that company into an absolute paradise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he and everyone there could be treated well. But they had a reputation in the 90s for being bad. I once applied to be a copywriter for um, Amazon in like 97 and I called Bill Monroe because he lives in Seattle, and I was like, hey, I applied for this thing. If if I get it, can I move out there and stay with you? And he said, you don't want to work for Amazon. He's like, they're terrible to work for. This is 1997. Wow. They've always had this reputation. But He's the thing is – Yeah, but so I would rather take $100 and give it to this guy who granted – there's a bit of a gray area because he's not paying CBS for the rights to build the enterprise. Right. But – it's a guy doing it by himself. I don't think he even has any employees, but it, it's kind of like – it's like being at a convention and buying a garage kit or like buying a costume from a cosplayer. Right. Like, like yeah, let's do more of that because um, that's that's where the economy needs to go, and we have the power right now to change the economy into a democratic economy. We We have a democratic society that is an oligarchy economy, and the economy is in control of the democracy. Yeah, All we have to do is not give money to the people that have the money and give it to other people. And right. the people that have the money are scared shitless right now because well, we're not buying things from them. I think that's the big thing when you see like the Dr. Oz's and Dr. Phil's of the world go on television and beg for people to open up the economy. It's like, oh, yeah, because you're not making any money right now. Right. All these shows are off the air. No one's you know, doing any of these shows. You can't have your show with a bunch of people. It's like um, these people are just terrified because it's like their livelihoods are threatened. And they're, like, paras- they're parasitic. Yes, they're very parasitic. So yeah. I, I mean you, you and I, I – I should full disclosure. You and I are lucky. We're still working. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like so we're, we're, so working, we're working from home. Um, I'm really busy. I'm a little too busy. Uh but like we're not in this condition where we've been laid out. My wife is, um, yeah. but I'm still working, so we're not terrified. Her unemployment, she's getting unemployment now, so financially we're kind of in the same place because she can pay the bills that she had in our budget. Right. Um, but there's a lot of people that are not working at all. I I have friends in my industry that have been laid off because they don't have the work. Yeah. Um, I mean, so have, so it's uh, kind our- of easy. What's that? I was saying we have a large network of like freelancers that we used for like production and all production is shut down. And every one of these guys is struggling because it's like they've been out of work for five or six weeks when it's a, it's essentially like a, it's freelance work. You know, book a job, go shoot a project, book yeah. another job, book another job. It's like I don't know how these guys are doing it ahead of time. They're very smart people to be able to do that. I need a steady you know, income because I'm a moron. Yeah, but that, like, that's um, that would always terrify me when I was a freelancer. I freelanced for a number of years on and off. Yeah. And it's uh, the scariest thing for me freelancing is when you get a check, I go, ooh, how long does this have to last? Right. Is this, is this a week or is this six months? Right. And, and I think I, that's that my, I, yeah. was always like, uh, I don't know how they do it. But like I said, these are very smart people that can do this. Um, and it's like, yeah, I think the, the amount of people that are impacted, it's like unbelievable. I mean, it's two weeks ago, one in 10 Americans was unemployed. Last week, one in seven Americans was unemployed. That is horrifying yeah. <laughs> numbers, you know. And I've, I've been seeing this thing go viral is uh, 
uh, it's a quote. I'm not getting the wording just right, but it says the normal a lot of people want to go back to is the normal where people are financially devastated after missing a single paycheck. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so I'm not crying for Dr. Oz. And a lot of it is just this. I don't know if it's a human. I think it's a, a partially the human condition and uh, certainly the American dream from the 20th century on is that is that enough is never enough. Everything is measured in terms of growth of like if you made the same amount of money that you made last year, you're considered a failure. Right. And I think that's the biggest problem we have is you can make a billion dollars last year, but if you don't make two billion next year, then you're terrified. I mean, Disney is complaining now. Disney's starting to lay off people and worry, you know, because people aren't going to the theme parks. They can't put Black Widow out. And it's yeah. like, dude, dude, you've been paying billions of dollars for other companies. You have 10 million subscribers on Disney Plus. Yeah, you're you'll all, be fine. <laughs> if you were flat, that's okay. And that's what like, that's, you know, that's what Dr. Oz's financial manager is saying is like, oh, you're going to lose money this quarter. So go tell people that they should die. Right. That's, so you can make more money. Yeah, it's like it's it's gross. It's, it's super gross. But what what I'm really hoping, and I am not an optimist by any stretch of the imagination, um, is that that kind of thinking is so untenable that in a year or so, when we're all out of this, I'm hoping we're going to see more of like you know the CEO that's like I'm going to pay everybody sixty thousand, including myself. I think I'm hoping that we're re- going to reach a more equatable not communism but a more democratic type of economy where people are just have to realize oh the people that work for me should be allowed to live yeah i mean i you know i'm a little left leaning if yeah you, as uh, am i yeah but i i would just say just uh when there's if there's poor people uh outlaw billionaires <laughs> you know it's yeah. just like why does jeff bezos exist when there's you know millions and millions of homeless people in this country it makes yeah. no sense and like Be- bezos for bezos at least i can put him in like a george lucas category of like okay he made that thing he made that thing and it's worth a lot of money so he has a lot of money i don't yeah. know why donald trump exists right well you know, Don- donald- yeah donald trump's dad gave him a million dollars he went bankrupt four times and now he's the president yeah, and, and he's he's telling people he's telling people to have armed protests what the hell are they gonna do like these people are so stupid that do they think there's a switch on the governor's desk yeah. <laughs> that just goes like state on? They're just telling people, hey, it's da- it's too dangerous. Don't go outside. Are they going to tell people, hey, it's dangerous. Go outside. I mean, my, my company's just my company said yesterday, we're not going to be the first business to send people back to the office. And again, yeah. we're all still working. We're not losing any money. But. But it comes down to individual states and individual businesses. Right. Like it's not it's not a machine. And also just this this cult of economy. It's like people are just saying the economy. The economy's money that no one is enjoying. That's that's what kills me is that people are just using money as a measuring stick of like, oh, Jeff Bezos has eighty billion. Now he has hundred and ten billion. It's like, how does that change anyone's life? Right, Where it's sitting it, in his bank account. Yeah, it, it's sitting in his bank account, not changing millions of people's lives. So it's like, just give up that that's your measuring stick. It's like, when I had all of my music saved onto iTunes, I would always look at the amount played column, and uh, I'd be like, oh, look, I listened to the Rolling Stones way more than I listened to The Who. 
And then when I went to Spotify, I was like, oh, I can't measure how much I listen to The Who. And then a voice in my head went, yeah, because that doesn't fucking matter. Just Correct. listen to what you yeah. want to listen to. Stop checking off a box. And I'm like, that's the economy now. Yeah, it really is. And what's crazy is all these dummies protesting it. They they protest because they want the econ- they want everything to go back to normal. They want the stay-at-home orders to end. The, the by protesting it, they're increasing the chances of spreading the virus, which will therefore lengthen the amount of time we all have to shelter in place. It's yeah. like if you just bear with us through this first terrible hump, <laughs> we can get back to normal much sooner than you idiots spreading this around. Yeah, what what this is teaching me is it's not so much that a lot of Americans are stupid, which they are. Uh, the big problem is they're stupid because they won't listen to anyone else. Right. It's like willfully stupid. Yeah, because it's America builds up this confidence, which is a complete fallacy. Whether it was true 100 years ago, it's not true now that this is the land of opportunity and you can be whoever you want to be and anyone can be president. Well, that – as long as you have billions of dollars. But yeah, that part's true. Apparently. There's a there's a lot of stuff you can't do, but it's built into our cultural DNA that no one tells me what to do. And it's like when people tell you something for your own good, there's a lot of people who are like, no one tells me what to do. And they're going to walk down the street with no mask and an AK-47. Right. But and like what? Like- what's that going to change? Like who goes, oh, my God, he's got a gun. Quick. Open, open Blockbuster back up. Right. <laughs> And yes, I use Blockbuster deliberately as a business that is not essential. Yeah. It's very very crazy. But I am so proud that you are taking this moment to become a Trekkie. Yeah, it's a good moment for it. uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, Picard, I... I Yeah, what did you think of Picard when you finished it? It it wasn't bad. Uh, I I think I liked it overall, but I was very much kind of like, wow, they're really drawing this out. I felt that might have been a much better movie than uh, eight episodes or 10 episodes series. It just seemed like there were entire episodes were like, wait, what what is this? What are we doing? (laughs) Well, they I will agree that they did do what a lot of binge shows do is they do the holding pattern episode. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, let's. A uh, Marvel Netflix was notorious. For yes, this. Marvel Netflix would do this for like two or three back to back. I will say about Picard, which I just loved. I have no no complaints about it. Um, I have no criticisms even. What I loved was they took those opportunities to build out the new characters to the point where at the end of that season, it's like, oh yeah, I like Jurati as much as I like Riker. Like they they managed to to make those new characters a real part of the Star Trek universe, which I don't think they would have been able to do with a movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if, if this is what the first season is, is it's kind of like uh, doing the legwork to establish all the different characters because these this is going to be like the crew going forward. It makes sense. Um, whether or not CBS will have free viewing for seasons two and three, which I heard are coming um who who can say um i'll i will pay for it again i um i definitely will oh and they announced yesterday that lavar burton is in talks to appear on picard and who is she uh lavar burton is jordy oh i like jordy yeah he's the host of reading rainbow oh yeah how about that he was doing both at the same time that's wild. In fact, I was just I was just having this conversation on Jamal Eigel's uh, Facebook page um, about 
he posted he posted like the casting sheet for Next Generation about like everyone who auditioned. Like Wesley Snipes auditioned for Jordy, and um, Yafet Kodo auditioned for Picard, and it was like just all of these names of people that could have been. Yeah, and they said that like um, and, and there was a note that said J.D. Roth, who I don't even know. Uh, J.D. Roth is the only choice for Wesley, and Will Wheaton's name wasn't even on it. And I was like, I said, that's really interesting because when they announced the cast of Next Generation, Will Wheaton was the most famous person on it. And uh, I started talking to one of his friends who was like, well, there was like Patrick Stewart was an Excalibur and Dune. I was like, yeah, but nobody remembered him. Like Patrick Stewart was unknown until he was Picard. And and then he was like, well, LeVar Burton was in Roots. I was like, yes, but Roots was 10 years ago. Stand by me was last summer, so Will Wheaton was the mo- the hottest person of that cast, and they weren't even talking about him for a while. Wow. And granted, he's he hosts the after show on Picard. He's still a lifelong Trekkie and a lifelong nerd. He's probably right. the person who appreciated it more than anybody. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy, and it's like uh, you know as much of like a dream come true as you can imagine for that guy, right? Yeah, in fact, today, it'll be too late by the time this comes out, but he just announced that he was supposed to be at a con this weekend, and instead he's doing a live streaming panel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all trying, and sa- with San Diego not happening, I mean, we, we're going to have to – we, we've been primed for this digital world. We have to live in a digital world now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's kind of nice to see is how much people are going to putting digital content out there. Like all the late show uh, talk host guys are still trying to do somewhat of a show, yeah. Um, you know, online and you know the these creators doing these panels and um, you know live streams. A lot of artists I follow on Instagram are doing live streams of like, hey, I'm out of work right now, but I'm doing a painting of Mister Freeze from Batman the Animated Series. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff out there to see. Yeah, Jim Lee's been doing auctions to raise money. He's been drawing yeah. pictures. I just uh, I Greg those. Greg Capullo just auctioned a clayface drawing on his Instagram, which was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm I, I seeing a lot of it. I've been doing um, I've been doing Tom Petty songs once a week and putting them on my band's Facebook because we had a show next Saturday that's canceled. I mean, we don't play that often, but uh, you don't want to be forgotten. Right. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of hoping that like this is temporary, right? So that when things kind of do get back to normal, you remember the people that were kind of there and around during this this the crisis. One one thing I have enjoyed is um when I when I first signed up on Instagram, I went looking for all the comic book artists that I'm a big fan of, and Mike Magnola had an Instagram but hadn't posted anything. And since this like um, stay at home orders started, he's been posting like a sketch a day, and they're awesome it's just like they're goofy little monsters i just saw did you see he did the count from sesame street yesterday yes and it's it's like so mike mignola yes so it's like uh these are like the little treasures that like i'm thinking about where it's just like oh yeah there is good stuff still kind of being done out there that's inspiring that's cool to see so um i'm hoping for more of that kind of stuff and how do we find your little treasures online, Stephen? <laughs> you can find my little treasures online at uh, the Brave Butter Pecan. That's on Instagram. Uh, you could try on Facebook, but you probably won't find me because apparently Stephen Brown's a very common name. Um, you could follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, Spotify. 
You can follow me at Not In My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Captain Comic social networking feed. You can also follow us at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Just go to RadioMisfits.com, click on the Lifestyle tab, and we're like third or fourth down because the network's constantly adding really good podcasts, and some of them are ahead in the alphabet. But we will talk to you next week because I know we'll all be home. <laughs>